0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Tanner, Ibe, Logan Allen, Taj Bradley all fetched really big bids in fab bidding in our fab leagues in the last few weeks. We got a couple more young start, young minor league starters making their debuts this week. Are we spending too much on those pitchers, or is that the new way to go? Fred and I will discuss that among more on the RotoWire Fantasy, Bo- uh, Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Uh, we are happy to be uh, broadcasting a little low definition sound today. I apologize about that. Uh, got somehow got to get my uh, sound system working right again, but don't worry; it'll be a it's a temporary blip on the radar there. Uh, as always, our podcasts are brought to you by the good folks at Rival Fantasy. Uh, thanks for them for uh, joining us today, Fred. How are you?
2: I'm great, Jeff. How are you? Ready to talk some baseball.
1: I am. Um, I, you know, I missed baseball over the weekend. Didn't get to do the pod with Scott. Didn't get to watch nearly as much baseball. Was at my uh, with my parents uh, most of the weekend and either at their uh, their uh, apartment or at the hotel. Didn't have my usual options for watching baseball that I usually do. So uh, happy to get back into it, have a normal day to day. Nothing normal about this season. No, no season is normal. They're all weird. They're all crazy. But this year it's pitching for me. It's It's finding enough of it finding good pitching and being able to buy good young pitchers. Um, We saw this was Tanner Bybee and Logan Allen weekend. We've had Todd Bradley weekend, got some other big uh, prospect starters and Bryce Miller and Gavin stone, making uh, their debuts this week. Uh, Probably we'll see how they do, but probably could be some more big bids this, this upcoming weekend.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll see stone could be back in the minors, I guess before the weekend, in which case, like he could be up and down in a day, in which case there won't be bidding on him this weekend. Uh, yeah, and Miller, we'll see what happens uh, later tonight. Probably by a lot of the time, by the time a lot of people listen to this, they'll have already seen his initial start. So, uh, yeah, but there could be big bids this weekend, and this has really got me thinking. Like the Bybee bids last weekend, the Logan Allen bids for sure as well, maybe to a lesser degree, but and the Taj Bradley bids previously. Um, I think we've hit a new stratosphere in young sp prospect bidding that we didn't see a few years ago um and i don't know how i feel about it i don't think i'm necessarily against it but i think it's worth discussing because we're seeing 300 bids on tanner bybee and we don't even know for sure that he'll be able to stay in the guardians rotation for the rest of the season when everyone's healthy he could be pitching well but if he's not pitching incredibly well he could end up back in the minors. Um even if he's pitching incredibly well he could still end up back in the minors the way some teams work with their young starters. We saw that with Bradley. So, yeah. Um it's I guess this is our new reality and and how do we feel about it?
1: Yeah, and I, I you know in previous iterations I got one share Bradley in AL Tow Wars. Um got that that win and then got saw him got sent back down. Um and I'm I'm holding him, I'm waiting but in an A-only league, it's probably worth it to capture the upside. But at the same time, it's tough. It's tough because now I have to go, you know, fill in again. And the thing is, I'm finding myself – and I cut Bailey Ober, by the way, in, in part to go get that, I, you know, to go get him. And Maybe it was for another player, I forget which. But I lost out on Ober this past week, and I'd rather have Ober. Ober, at least I have a – you know, with – The injury to Tyler Malley, he's going to be out for a while. I was listening to Scott and Ryan Bloomfield, thanks to Ryan for covering for me on Sunday, covering for me, improving over me, as the case may be. Um, Yeah, Malley's going to be out for a while. Um, So Ober should be in for at least a couple months. We don't know that to be the case with these prospects as much. The Guardians, uh, at the time of our recording, are 14-15. and Did have a comeback win over the uh, Yankees last night. That's a good win for them. Clay Holmes blew the save, got a vote of confidence. We'll talk about that more later on, but we don't know if he's going to stick around. I think he should. I mean, Zach Plesac, Cal Quantrill shouldn't stand in the way of Vibe if he's pitching well, uh, even when they get like Tristan McKenzie back at the end of the month. But we know at least Vibe's got like a month to prove himself. He, he's got a chance to earn that spot um, and, and force the Guardians to make its tough decision, but What if the guardians are hovering around 500 still, you know, maybe given how they came on strong last year, they'd probably be patient and hang on, but they could mess around with service time still.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. And uh, like, sometimes I say that these things have a way, I often say this, they have a way of working themselves out by the time we get all the way back to Tristan McKenzie being back. Some maybe Quantrill will be hurt or something like that. Uh, You did say Quantrill shouldn't block Bybee, which I kind of agree with at the same time, Quantrill's been a starter, you know, in, for Cleveland for a while. His career ERA is three sixty one. I know that he's that a lot of the metrics say he's been lucky throughout his career, but he's thrown five hundred innings at a three sixty one ERA. I'm not saying he's as good as Bybee, but he is probably someone that a major league team, at least for now, we'll see how the next few weeks go. Yeah. Wants to have in their rotation. Uh, okay, so is, please, that's this is just me sticking up for the Canadian at this point. Uh, yeah. But anyways. I, one of my thoughts was, okay, let's say that Cleveland brought Bybee up and said he will be in our rotation for the remainder of the season. How much more would he go for? Like, was there any discount on the uncertainty? Because No, very, Bradley, it him, was not. I don't think there was. I think, so even if Cleveland brought him up and said, this guy's in our rotation for the rest of the season. So now at that point, you're just bidding on skills and whether he's really good or not. I don't know how much more than 300 he would have gone for.
1: I, I got to tell you, I, I find myself continually out of step on this bidding on these young pitchers in the main. And, and, and even in the online championship where the bidding is usually a little lower, I found myself behind. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. Maybe because for, for all the risk factors I identified, all that said, I went through all my, you know, t, you know, all my NFBC universe bids, and then found myself reacting and raising those bids for later leagues like labor and in the, the FSGA league that I'm in where I got by in both of those In uh, FSGA. I mean, it, w- it was weird that there are only four teams that bid on him. Uh, but in labor, there was 11 out of the 15 teams put in bids on him. We get to see that we get to see, th- we don't get to see what the individual bids were from each team, but we do see like the, the, the numbers from the other 10 teams. So I bid 23 out of hundred. With, you know, keep in mind, it's less granular than it is the NFBC. So 23, 23% there means more than it does in the NFBC. Uh, and there's no zero dollar bids. There's no trading of fab dollars. It's pretty strict. You know, once you're out, you're out. So that's a that was a pretty sizable bid. There's a couple of 19s in there. Um, point is, there was a lot of healthy bids. I know Zach Steinhorn didn't bid on him. He, he said in his newsletter that. Uh, he's happy with his pitching. So he didn't want to jump in on the bidding, knowing that he wasn't going to get him anyhow. Um, what did you think about that? I, I'll tell you a little bit more about my circumstances, but what, where were you on by being labor?
2: Um, labor, I didn't spend as much because I had already spent a fair amount. And like you said, it's just a really unforgiving system. The $100 yep. with no $0 bids. Um, so I think I had already spent about $30 going into this week. So I, I think I bid maybe like uh, 13 or 14 or something like that and my pitching's gone okay i just lost to grom so that's a big deal we'll oh. see how long he's out for um but but so far it's gone okay um and i felt better about my pitching than my hitting so i didn't i bid, like i said about 13 or 14 which i think 13 in labor does not equate to 130 in nfbc because of the no zero dollar bids and the one dollar increments i think 13 in labor probably accounts for like I'd say 170, 180 uh, in the NFBC. So anyway, so that was about as much as I felt comfortable bidding. Um, with with Bybee going for so much in all these leagues, that's interesting. Like your point on Zach, like you have to assume and every, everybody wants him, but some teams in certain leagues, in every league, some teams will say uh, my pitching's pretty good. Like I'm high in ER, I'm doing well in ERA, I'm doing well in WIP. My starters are pretty, in pretty good shape, you know, so I'm not going to break the bank on a young starter. Um, so so it's not like you have all 15 teams going hard after them, but starting pitching is at enough of a deficit right now where I'd say most of the teams in your league, these are prices that we used to only see for closers or maybe like a really, really high end hitting prospect who's like up and up, definitely, you know, up for good. We didn't see these prices for starting pitchers. I wonder if it's just an extension of like in the main event, we used to see starting pitchers pitch later than they are now. And the price and the, the the draft cost of starting pitchers started creeping up and up and up in the main event. And a lot of people said these pitchers are going too early. But then the alternative was, well if you don't get on the if you don't get on this train, what are you going to do? You're going to be stubborn about it and all of a sudden you don't have any pitchers. Right. Yeah You're like, What are you oh. going to say,
1: well I'll just pick up Michael Kopek in a seven ERA instead. Right.
2: So, you know, oh, all these pitchers went too early in the main event. So I just waited until round eight and then I started taking starting pitchers and my aces, you know, and it's someone who's not very good. And um, so it's like you had to kind of get with the program, even if you didn't love it. Um, Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's the same. There has to be a trade off. So I wonder if it's the same thing with fab starting pitchers. Like, okay, if you want to stay out of this, you can stay out of this, but you're not getting any of the young elite prospects that are brought up in the first couple months of the season. So you can, you can get away from that. I mean, there is a finite amount of money in the fab pool. So maybe this means there'll be better deals on hitters. I don't know, but uh, there, it ha- it's the same as drafts. Like it has to go, it has, there has to be a trade-off somewhere. If Bybee and Bradley and these guys are going for an extra $100, $150, there has to be a trade-off somewhere where other players have to go for less.
1: Yep. Yep. There is. Um, and it might come later in the season you know, where a lot of the budgets are expended a little bit there. And then you start picking off other guys. There's always more. I mean, it, it, it's pitching prospects, right? I mean, we, uh, we've seen it in the comments, uh, Joel, Joel Whaley's waiting for Brandon fought or Wiley, excuse me. I, I don't, Joel, apologize. I'm butchering your name. Joseph Nelson, uh, Wish the Cardinals would call, call it Matthew Lieber I was talking about that with James Anderson today. I mean, they're rolling out Woodford. I think they just, although I think he just got demoted out of the uh, rotation with Adam Wainwright coming back, but the Cardinals, I mean, are in a terrible way right now. The White Sox are in a terrible way. We'll see other teams that are going to call some, some pitchers up. We're going to talk about the Astros in a minute there. Do they uh, turn to Forrest Whitley? Probably not because he's not pitching all that well right now. But it's PCL, so who, who knows? Um, we're, we're getting these waves of pitching prospects, and it's great. I mean, we're getting those guys more hit- pitching prospects than hitting prospects this year getting called up.
2: Yeah, and I, I wonder if the high prices, especially in the 15-team leagues, is just a sign that we can't find – uh, pitching on waivers very well. Like it's really hard to find. Back in the day, it was easier to find like a streaming starting pitcher off waivers. I'm talking yeah. 10 years ago, et cetera, 15 years ago. So again, I, I think this is the same as the earlier prices in the drafts. Like now managers are saying like, I can't find streamers. I need, to fi- I need to pay the premium for someone who I may be able to just put in my lineup and forget. And that hasn't been the case so far with Bradley. It doesn't mean Bradley won't be back up in a week or two and then stay up for a really long time. We don't know, but uh it's interesting that these guys are getting these massive bids and we don't even know if they're going to stay in the rotation. This isn't like a, like when Brett Beatty came up. So for example, Brett Beatty, who I know wasn't available in a lot of leagues. um, I think when he came up, whether the Mets expressly said this or not, like he he's up, if he hits, he's up for the rest of the season. Yeah. Right. So I don't, I'm saying, well, I don't know, maybe Brett Beatty can be more valuable than Tanner Bybee, but like we don't have the same assurance with these starting pitchers like we do have with Brett Beatty. So, and and I would say that if Brett Beatty was available in every league this past Sunday, let's say he'd been called up this past Sunday, I think Bybee would have gone for more.
1: Probably, you know, the certain organizations you trust a little bit more than others too, as far as, as keeping those guys up, Mm -hmm. um, Tampa Bay, the trust level is obviously very low, Mm -hmm. you know, where they had a need and they came up with the, uh, we got to get them on a five-day rotation and six instead of a six-day rotation. Excuse that nobody's buying, um, you know. And that, which kind of raises the question, though, why did they call them up in the first place? You know, which probably indicates, you know, probably is like they they maybe they believe that's a thing. Maybe it's true. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It, it's interesting to see that there. But uh, if if Bryce Miller dominates this week will I be back at it again this weekend? Who knows? I, you know, he, there's a long time, long-term opportunity there. Robbie Ray's out for the year.
2: Yeah. I don't see Miller yet as like a prospect on the level of readiness of someone like Bybee. So I, I don't think I will bid as much, like, unless he's, just lights out but I don't think I can see I don't see myself bidding as much on him but the the not as much that I'm willing to bid probably won't be enough if he has a quality start uh, he's, he's going to go for triple digits that it just seems to be where we're going with this and I'm interested to see if it'll run out at some point if the people who are willing to pay 300 for a starting pitcher prospect eventually don't have the money to continue doing that and then the rest of the people in the league who aren't willing to pay that much so then the price goes down but I don't think I don't think that's going to necessarily happen. I think that it's like when you're in an auction and you're like, oh, there's only one good outfielder left. Like that guy goes for more, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I could see the prices staying up because I could see the people who wanted Bradley and missed out, then wanted Logan Allen or Bybee and missed out. Now, if they get a chance at Fott or Miller or Librator, then they're like, oh, I got to get one of them. I kept missing out. I got to keep my bids high. I got to get one of them. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see the prices going down.
1: No, I I don't either. Um, I I don't know if I see myself you know, bidding that high in him. I was looking at Miller's stat line. I mean, it's dangerous to scout uh, stat line scout, but <clears throat> you know he had a he had a big ERA in Double A, five homers and four starts. will lead to that, but he also had an eighteen to three K to walk, and that, yep. that was something that you kind of like. Okay, yeah, I'm interested again. Uh, he can he can miss bats, and you know, obviously, he has the prospect pedigree. I just think he might struggle initially. We'll see. Um, so. But at the same time, I'm desperate to, you know, I have a lot of leagues where I'm just like, hey, my pitching's terrible. I'm, you know, even when I get a deep, you know, Chris Bassett's come around a little bit, but then like he pitched Sunday, didn't pitch, he had a horrible first inning in that game. And, you know, that'll, that'll be the gift that keeps on giving. We, we kind of, I keep getting those sort of outings.
2: Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's also driving up the price on these young starters is for every blow up, there's a little bit more panic. And when there's a little bit more panic from the manager, then it's like, oh, you know who might be able to solve my problem? Taj Bradley, Tanner Bybee. You know, every blow up that we got in April, I think, I think brings up, I think just pushes the price up a little bit where, because we overreact to things, right? So uh, I think, I think that's part of it too. The fact that, that less people probably feel comfortable with uh with their entire starting pitching i just like how we say that major league teams like almost every major league team could use a starter Uh, i think almost every fantasy team could use another good starter right now
1: yeah so it's just how much is that worth yeah so we're seeing news uh brandon fought will be up tomorrow um i'm trying to find a source on that one here but Mm. thanks i saw that in the comments Uh,
2: uh it looks like i haven't seen it like official official but i am seeing it where people are reporting that yeah this is happening
1: yeah so uh so that Here we would go. be pretty big, yeah, big um and, and, and the diamondbacks clearly have the opening i mean they, they're basically a, a two ro- two-man rotation right now mm-hmm. uh and then they're trying to figure the rest of it out fought's really good i mean again pcl stat line scouting is dangerous because of those ballparks reno in particular is hideous so uh mm-hmm. it's something to watch for there uh but uh you know what um i uh I I would think that, uh, you know, he's another one and we're going to, we're going to have some pretty spirited bidding in the NFBC again this weekend. Cause fought, you would think that this promotion is going to be full time and permanent.
2: I could make an argument that fought's, worth the most of all them because yeah. the best ability the best ability is availability as the saying goes hmm. and fought seems like the one who's most likely to be available to you for the rest of the season right because cleveland has good starters or reasonable starters on the il um tampa manages to come up with pitching from all sorts of places at all sorts of times the like the diamondbacks as you said are, are floating in and around 500 yep may be able to to sit in the wild card race. And you know, they're the team that, that, that really needs the rotation help the most. So the diamondbacks need fought. Uh, he, I think if fought doesn't fall flat on his face, Oh, that was a lot of F's in one sentence. If fought doesn't fall flat on his face, I think that he could, uh, could be with them for the rest of the season. So I could argue that he's, the you know that he's the one who should be worth the most. Now, I don't know if he'll go for the most because again, those other guys have gone for a lot. That's a lot to break the bank on. But if he has a solid start tomorrow, I uh, he's going for a lot,
1: yeah. Uh, and, and impressive that you didn't uh get sick the F- F- FCC on us for that, yeah, that whole segment there. With yeah, you gave a lot of F's and they are all the right ones,
2: a lot of F bombs all in yeah. one sentence.
1: So, uh, very good, very good. It helps that fought and missed out on a course field series. I mean, that, that's pretty handy. He's missed out on a two Dodger series. Uh, so yeah. that that's pretty good right then and there that he, he's going to be stepping into a better situation. Diamondbacks are 16 and 13 right now, if I recall correctly, Uh, you know, not much of a run differential, Uh, but you know, they, they had the profile of a good young core, uh, maybe not on the pitching side, but you know, young, young hitters. We always like seeing that, you know, like they kind of hit their strides sometimes at the same time, they kind of feed off each other almost. So uh Yeah, that that's something I'm going to be uh, watching for a little bit there. Uh, I've got fought. I held on to him in labor as well as holding held on to Bailey over. You know, I had all these injuries and found like the pickups wanting. And that's one of the things that the the stringent labor rules are like you can't just stream guys as easily. You kind of need to hold if you believe in the talent. Uh, So hopefully that helps. I I might be able to get fought in there because Arizona didn't play yesterday. Right,
2: right. Yes. Arizona, I believe, did not play yesterday. You should be able to get fought in as long as you have someone in your lineup who's a team also did not play yesterday who right. you're willing to take out. So, yeah, you should be able to make that move. And a lot of people listening who maybe have fought in an NFBC league could also try to make that move. I mean, yeah, like I said, you have to have a pitcher who's, you know, not an ace, not a closer, et cetera, where you're willing to take him out. But, yeah, anyways, I think fought. Yeah, he's gonna go unless he stinks tomorrow. Either, I, and I mean, like he'd have to stink five innings, five runs, something like that. If he if he's even five innings, three runs, I think he goes for a lot. So yeah, I mean, we'll also gauge Arizona's comments from the front office. You know, is he up to stay? Things like that. But he seems to maybe have a better chance than the other pitchers to just come up and stay up.
1: So I just benched Daniel Barr to make room for Fox. Perfect. So expect Colorado to get three saves this week. Um, just so you know, uh, just just to warn everybody, but. You know, and just tying this all back into a bow. I mean, that's why I went so big on Bybee is because, like, I was out without Gonslin most of the year. I've been without Verlander. I lost Springs. Um, I need help. I traded away, uh, you know, that was a league where I could make trades. So I traded away, uh, um, what's his name from the White Sox? uh, In in, in the the Mateo trade, um, Giolito. So, you know, I, I need some upside at starting pitcher. Now, you don't get much more upside than Bybee. So that that's why I was a little bit more aggressive in that league. Whereas in other leagues, I might've been a little bit more circumspect. I'm also, I'm dragging the anchor of this league too. I mean, it's, it's a bad team. Uh, It's a bad roster. I need to take some chances.
2: Yeah. And I think that's fine. I also think uh, when we're thinking you're trying to fix a pitching staff, we just talked about how uh, streaming starting pitchers is really, really hard now compared to what it was a few years ago on the flip side, on the flip side, the universal DH, and the uptick in offense overall uh, arguably makes it just a little bit easier to to find a hitter uh, on the waiver wire who you can get for five bucks on an right. NFBC league or one dollar in labor every Sunday, who you know is going to get twenty at bats the next week and isn't good but is okay. You know, Jesus Aguilar, play, players like that, just someone who's who's who can go out there, like I said, play pretty much every day the next week and might be able to hit a home run or do something that that might be easier to find now with the universal DH, than finding the starting pitcher who you feel like could give you a quality start. So I could see the rationale behind just spending heavy on maybe a set and forget pitcher and f- say to yourself, like, you know what, I'm going to try to grind out plate appearances here for my offense on the cheap. I'm going to, yeah. And sometimes
1: you plan. end up with Brent Rooker when you do that too. So that's, right. To work out. that's right. That's um, right. So,
2: so to say, you know, maybe I'm going to shift, the per- so we always talk about draft. One thing that we don't talk about much during the season, or at least I never hear people talk about, um, we during draft season, we talk a lot about the percentage of your budget used on hitters and pitch- starting pitchers and closers on draft day, right? So people will say like, oh, they, this person used 67% on hitting and 33% on pitching. And we've even found ways to factor that out in a draft, a snake draft, where people I know can translate it and be like, okay, based on your picks, you used roughly you know, 65% of your draft day value on hitters. And we don't really do that as much during the season where we track back and say, you know, Jeff used out of his thousand fab dollars, 522 on hitting, you know, 275 on starting pitching, whatever is left over. I'm not going to bother doing the math in my head right now as I'm making up numbers on relief pitching. We don't really do that, but I wonder if maybe that overall thousand dollars, expenditure is shifting towards starting pitching. It might even be shifting away from closing a little bit because I find we're not seeing as many of the, this closer's hurt. Now, this guy's the closer. Everybody go bid $300 on him. I mean, yeah, I that I'd as agree.
1: Much. And I want to hit that in, uh, in full a little bit there, but I agree. Um, I was going to make a joke. Jeff spent 37% of his budget chasing closers all season and got seven saves for it there. So you can get that too. I, that I, But I, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that depends on how you build your draft, too, right? I mean, if right. you know, if you spend a little bit more on starting pitching or you know early draft picks on starting pitching, perhaps you spent less on streaming in season. I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, one last uh, fought related comment: Joel Henard has a question. Uh, start fought versus Texas or Keller versus Oakland this week. He can still make the change because those pitchers haven't pitched this or these teams haven't played this week.
2: Fought. I'll go I'll go. fought. I usually like to start everybody, pretty much everyone against Oakland, but that's a... I'm not into Keller. I'll, I'll go fought just even for the excitement and the fun, fun of it all. Texas's <laughs> lineup is okay, but it doesn't scare me, especially with Corey Seager out, so... Uh, I'll take Fought. One thing I'm definitely doing is starting hitters against Oakland. Oakland has had some. Oh decent. yeah. Oakland, your pitcher against Oakland, like Keller has a good chance to get a win when he plays Oakland, but Oakland's offense is like, I don't know. They're like eighth last or something like that. in OPS, like they're not, they haven't been the total worst. Um, so like the Tigers may be a better streaming target, for example, for your pitchers than Oakland, Oakland's a better streaming target for streaming hitters. Uh, not and oh, Mid- Mid- Oakland's still a good streaming target for pitchers, but I'll take five just for the fun of it. Even if it's close, yeah. I'll, I think this week, if it's close between two pitchers play five, you've been yeah. holding them, go for it.
1: And we forgot to include Mason Miller among the pitcher, young yeah. studly pitchers getting called up. He, uh, Evan asked if we should start Mason Miller against Seattle tonight. Yeah, I would. I mean, you spent enough to get, go get him. Seattle doesn't strike me as a must not start against team. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say, yes.
2: Yeah, I, I'm fine with that too. I guess league size a little bit and everything and what your other options are. If it's like a Yahoo type daily type league where you can either use them or not use them, then I'll use them.
1: Yeah, and if it's a weekly league that's of any uh, 10 league ten teams or, or greater, I, I would start them too. Chances are you spend a decent amount of your fab budget on them unless you're just like yeah. straight up waivers. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd use Mason Miller.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. All right, we're going to talk hitters because we always wait on the hitters to the end. We run that's out true. of time. So we're going to do hitters next. But before we do that, have some business to attend to. So uh, first, uh, from our friends at Rival Fantasy, a new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played, and they brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. Rival Fantasy's games include fantasy bingo, head-to-head player challenges, and fantasy book, where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, daily fantasy has never been better. Right now, RotoWire listeners can get a fifty dollars protected first play. That means if you win your first play, you get keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to fifty bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com/slash/signup and use code RotoWire MLB at signup and deposit a minimum of twenty five dollars to get your first entry on Rival protected up to fifty dollars. Now's the time to step up to the plate and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. Also, we host all of our podcasts on the Blue Wire Network, which we love. Here are a couple of their ads.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: All right. Thanks for your indulgence on that. Let us switch gears. Talk a little hitters. I want to start off with the Mets. Brett Beatty, homer and offer lefty in the second game of the doubleheader yesterday, or in the first game of the doubleheader yesterday, um, and then was bat- you know, played both ends. He's still batting eighth in the lineup, but this guy can flat out play.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think so too. I think he'll move up in the lineup over the course of the season. there will just be injuries and he'll get other opportunities. I mean, he's got a 440 BABIP so far. So obviously the 333 average isn't totally legit, but he he struck out a little bit, like 12 times in 42 plate appearances. Anyways, he can have some regression and he'd still be a major league quality player. I can see they have a good deep lineup. So bringing him along slowly, I think is fine. I think he's going to be a good fantasy asset Going forward but not like not like a league winner not like he doesn't really steal bases his batting average will probably come down it will be like 270 or something like that I think he'll be good usable in a 15 team league almost every like almost every week just set and forget in a 12 probably usable most of the time him getting a homer off a lefty is a big deal because we just need to keep him in the lineup in those situations so yeah I think he's I think he's gonna be good not not a true difference maker
1: yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I want the Mets to stop protecting him. I want him just to play. Yep. Uh, I, I just just get him in the lineup on a regular basis. He's 11 plate appearances against lefties now, 31 against righties. He needs to play every day, and he needs to creep up higher in the lineup there. I understand with the Mets, it can be a little harder, but still, I think they need to find a way. I think they need to play Francisco Alvarez a little bit more. He played the second game of the doubleheader. We have, I, I believe, we've got that glorious catcher eligibility now. Uh yep, uh 14 games uh at catcher this year. So in almost every league, that should be uh where he's eligible now. Uh he hasn't been tearing it up yet. Alvarez hasn't been great. In fact, some warnings, maybe not move him up a little bit too too fast here. 14 K's, one walk for Alvarez. Uh only one homer. Uh 569 OPS. He still has some work left to do.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I even worry if he doesn't pick it up, it eventually he could go back down in the minors not for a while maybe when Omar Nervaez is eventually ready to come back but yeah for people who spent a lot on Alvarez who again didn't he didn't net the big bids that these pitchers did but in some leagues he went for 100 dollars plus so those were pretty big bids You haven't got much out of him so far he has been trending up a little bit the last few days both in terms of playing time and results but but not a ton uh yeah i think that definitely if you, if you if you spent 100 plus on Alvarez like i I guess you're still using them, but you haven't got anything from it yet.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, that'll be, that's, that's dangerous still. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we, 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 uh, but you know, I, I think that the, you know, the Mets, they, they kind of got off to that uncertain start. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a bad start. Um, they're missing so many key players, especially key pitchers. I'd be patient if you're a Mets fan, but I, I think that'll be, I think that's going to be, uh, yeah, I it, 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 I think they're going to be on the upswing eventually. Here, uh, question: Bryce Harper returns tonight um, against the Dodgers. Do you put him in your lineup this week? I only have him in one league. It's a keeper league. Yes, absolutely. I'm putting him in the lineup. Um, I I may not get stolen bases right away. May may struggle a little bit, but honestly, I mean, you carried him all this time. Get him in there. What if he does go off right away?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I just. I'm only in 15s this year. So in a 15, I think it's a no brainer. Like you've got to have someone bad enough that you'd want to sit them for Bryce Harper in a 12, I guess it's maybe a little more of a decision, but same kind of theory. I think, I think if you, if you can't find some way to put Bryce Harper in your lineup, I think things have gone really well for you so far.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So uh, yeah, I'm I, I XFL, I, I, I get them I got him back this week. I like that. I'm eventually going to get uh first base eligibility out of him, not just DH too.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's going to be like a little bit of a bonus at some point. And you know, first base isn't shallow or anything this year, but third is so corner infield spots, you know, you could need someone yeah. and just the flexibility infield, outfield flexibility is, is like my favorite, like anyone who has some infield position and outfield, I find really valuable throughout the season. So I have no shares of Harper and obviously at this point I'm not going to. So but I still I you kind trade of a, for him my guess is he's not gonna be very trade forable which I know isn't a word but um, he's not gonna be very trade forable because the person who's holding him is probably like super excited the person who's holding him took him with the thought that he was gonna miss two months now he's only missed one I, I feel like they'll be excited to get him back like I think he's only someone you could trade for if he gets off to really slow start maybe you can buy low on him you know sell the idea that he's not really healthy right at that point That's I don't right. know if you want to trade for him
1: Yeah. Because maybe he is Uh, not really healthy. I I agree with you on that. Houston Astros. uh, We talked about Jose Abreu in the past. He's still struggling. His OPS is in the fives still. Still hasn't homered. Mm -hmm. Um, Did have two RBI yesterday, but just doesn't look good at all up there.
2: Absolutely. And, yeah, we talked about him a couple weeks ago, and you start to worry at this point. Yeah, 27 strikeouts to four walks, which is not – normal for him like this isn't a Javier Baez where you're like ah, oh, he's always been like that um yeah he, this is doesn't really look like him you worry about at his age that you know he's 36 you worry that maybe he's kind of hit the wall his BABIP's not even low this year so it's not like he's been like super unlucky uh I, I don't know if this doesn't turn around at least I think people in 12s are already thinking about whether they should keep rostering them. Do you think I'm right on that? Or do you think in 12s that hasn't crossed people's minds yet?
1: Um, I don't think it's crossed people's minds because it's a top 10, th- top 10 rounds pick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's it's probably coming. a league out there where someone's cut them.
2: Yeah. It's coming um, in the next month. Like, so in fact, all
1: of- Confirmation of that. <laughs> a heart foundation dropped a uh, Abreu for Carlos Santana yesterday. I don't know if I'd go that far, but hmm. I see it. I understand why someone would do that. I'm not confident that Abreu turns it around.
2: No. So dropping Carlos, sorry, dropping Abreu for Carlos Santana is one of those moves where you didn't really drop Abreu for Carlos Santana. You dropped Abreu to get away from Abreu and start
1: you dropped stream. him out of spite. That's you, a well, spite you dropped drop.
2: him to start streaming the spot, and yeah. then hopefully, eventually, you find out find someone better. So basically, you're saying I think I can do better on the waiver wire long term than I can do from Abreu, but to start that process, I need to drop Abreu. So I'm going to drop him. I'm going to use Carlos Santana for this week. And, you know, then I'll go from there and see if I want to use Carlos Santana the next week or if I want to drop him and stream someone else until, but eventually, you know, you can't find the next, I know he's not a first baseman, but you can't find the next Brent Brooker or something like that unless you start working through the options week to week. Um, So I Speculate
1: on Matt Mervis.
2: Right, so I think so. I think dropping Abreu is more of a, just saying I'm done with Abreu. I don't think he's turning it around. I don't think it's a comment that like you think Santana will be better than Abreu from this point forward, which he could be, but because Santana's helped by the the shift changes and does still have a bit of power and has stolen I think three bases by the way this year. I think it's three that he's stolen that year, which is wild. Yeah, um, but yeah, you see like that a, in the
1: minors sometimes though, where these guys they yeah. always used to run the minors, but then they get to the majors, they don't have the green light. Yep. Pitchers are better holding them on. Catchers pop times are faster. Yep. Those first baseman with eight stolen bases in the minors, all of a sudden it's zero in the majors or one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of 10 team leagues though, or, or thinner leagues, uh, Uncle Ted actually raises a really good question here. Um, having is it worth having bench bats in a 10 team league or just keep five pitchers? Now with the caveat that most of my leagues are not that thin. I only have one that's remotely close to that thin. Um I, I think it is worth in today's game to have that extra bench bat, especially because I think you stream hitters too. You look for good hitting matchups. You look for number of games, maybe you, have, unless you have like a at bats or game ceiling, um, like a limit to the number of games you can have any in a week. I think you should be, or, or for the season for that matter, you need to be thinking about that too. I think it's all, you know, it's nice to care, have streaming options as pitchers, having that depth, playing the matchups and closers, but, I don't know. I think it's also worth it to think about uh, having those bench bats. Good question, Ted. What do you think, Fred?
2: Uh, if it's a 10-team league, a lot of 10-team leagues are daily transactions. So <laughs> if you can make daily lineup moves, I mean. So if you can do daily lineup moves, I think out of those five bench spots, it's probably good to have three or four our pitchers because basically you can leave a bunch of good setup men in your lineup every day you can get all of their innings. Right. right. So, you know, so r- right now, yeah, you grab some good setup, man, you put them in, you basically just rotate your starters. And that's what I do in friends and family. It's what a lot of people do in that league too. The starters basically just go in on their start day and come right back out. Yeah. Um, but it's good to have, yeah, I think it's good to have at least one hitter, especially if you're an active manager, who's willing to stream hitters in and out based on who's out of the lineup. You're going to have someone of the lineup basically every day. And you, it's harder to stumble upon the next Jack Swinski, the next Brent Rooker, if you're not streaming, if you if you don't keep that extra hitter, like you kind of need that extra hitter spot, it gives you a better chance to stumble upon a really good hitter, and th- and there have been some this year.
1: Yeah, there have. Yeah, there have. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were talking about Jose Abreu earlier. Uh, what about Mauricio Dubon? Mauricio Dubon, excuse me. Big day last night. Um, had some harsh words for his former organization afterward, though he he clarified today not for his former teammates, but for the uh, off front office because uh, he basically. You know, he was given away on the cheap by the uh, Giants hitting 317. He's got 20 runs so far. He's been batting lead off a lot lately. Only six RBI. No homers picked up his third stolen base last year. Is is there anything that he to build off of here? Or is this just a nice stream while Jose Abreu is out?
2: So, so I think, I think it's mostly just a nice stream. I find it interesting like him having choice words for the Giants organization. So even with his success this year, his career OPS is six sixty-five. So, yeah. so like, oh Giants, how dare you cut me? Right. With my career probably going into this season it was about 650 OPS like how, how dare you guys let me go after that it's cool I guess he believes in himself and, and thinks maybe he's better than his numbers have indicated so far maybe maybe he's in a situation where he thinks he never really got a fair shake there never got to play every day something like that so uh, one thing that's interesting about him is he's getting to hit leadoff right now while Chaz McCormick is out McCormick was hitting leadoff before he hit the IL McCormick will be back either this weekend or early next week uh, McCormick didn't do anything to lose that leadoff spot so I'll be interested to see what they do with that if and Dubon is a high low guy right that I talk about sometimes where he's either hitting leadoff or like eighth or ninth so if McCormick goes back to leadoff Dubon goes down to eighth or ninth and I don't think there's really any fantasy value I guess if he's hitting leadoff there's just the run scoring the occasional stolen base kind of value he's a 15 team. If he's hitting leadoff, he's in lineups in 15s and he's probably like a streamer in 12s. If he goes back down to hitting eighth or ninth, then I think he's not a guy in 12s and he's a streamer in 15s.
1: Yeah. That's the thing though. McCormick was barely there. He wasn't there very yep. long. It wasn't like he, you know, can't lose a spot due to injury sort of thing. No. He was there for a few days. I mean, he was doing well in it, but it's not his necessarily. He was no. just menteing.
2: No, it's true. But his OPS. So to put it in perspective, McCormick's OPS this year, was eight eighty three. Yeah, the time you went on the L. Even with Dubon having this heater, it's seven forty six. So, yeah, like, like there's probably pretty little debate that McCormick is a better offensive player than Dubon. I agree with that. Yeah. So, and you'd rather maximize his plate appearances. If I was the ma- Astros manager when McCormick comes back, I I think I'd put him back in leadoff, and see where yeah. it goes. I mean, I know eventually Altuve comes back and. But actually, when Altuve comes back, if McCormick was hitting really well, you could leave him there and bat Altuve right behind him. The Astros yeah. have not been tearing it up offensively. That's the yeah. other thing, right? So, so productive Astros need to hit at the top of the lineup right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're rostering some weird people uh, in that lineup there. Like earlier, I was like the, the jokes was on, you know, you know, I, I, I had yoke on my face and joke, Corey Jolks, and he's, he's hitting 295 still, but like who is this guy you know he's a 27 year old making his debut um you know we saw you know Ryland Bannon on Sunday night uh get the automatic the automatic called strikeout uh against him there he's 0 for 6 so far he got actually got a cut, uh, taste uh, with the Orioles last year but point being is they're having to use they're really having to dig kind of deep one of the issues with the Astros is that you know there's not a whole lot of help coming they don't have too much in the minors that's ready to contribute
2: that's right. And we, we see this boomerang effect in with great teams in every sport, right? Like you, you ride high for a while, maybe you make some trades where you let go of some prospects, maybe some of those moves backfire on you in the long run, but but they've been riding high as an organization. I know the whole cheating thing, whatever, but just as far as winning games and winning World Series and everything, they've been hiding, riding high for a while and there's probably going to be some backlash here for them where they don't have the organizational depth. Uh, so, I, so I do really think there's a push from the players who are on their major league roster for the manager to figure out who, who are the best ones and get them to the top of the lineup. I don't think, you know, how we, we would talk for the last couple of years about how Kyle Tucker needed to hit higher in the lineup. But their lineup yeah. was so good that it was hard to. You'd be like, "Come on!" Like for example, in 2021, Kyle Tucker had a 9.17 OPS. He mostly didn't crack the top four in the lineup. Like that's ridiculous. But but the lineup was so productive that you were like, "Okay, well, whatever. At least he's you know their team's really good. They're winning. What can I say?" Yeah. This year, I think I think it, there's more onus on them to get the good bats at the top of the lineup. They're now more like a regular team. Maybe mm-hmm. not quite as scary to stream against either. I've kind of I haven't streamed on purpose, obviously against them, but I've been a little more willing to use like mid-level starters again. So
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Sneakley. Now all of a sudden they have major problems in the rotation. Luis Garcia is the latest to leave uh, with an elbow discomfort uh, was placed on the IL today, right before the start of the podcast. So they're, they're down him. They're down McCullers, obviously. And they're down Jose Urquidy who uh, struggled, uh, with the shoulder problem on Sunday and is on the aisle. and it sounds like that one might be a while too. Uh, he's going to get a second opinion. Arcidi is on that uh, shoulder. He never likes seeing a shoulder injury, anyhow. Mm-hmm. Some we're really not quite sure who's going to pick up the the next set of starts. Brandon Bilak, uh pitched in relief of uh, Garcia yesterday. Forrest Whitley is not pitching great at AAA. Uh, they're going to go through a bunch of guys, and uh, you know. They didn't add any veteran depth, and you saw Jose. I mean, you saw Dusty Baker talking about how they didn't do that yesterday, and, and partly because they took a while to have the GM transition. Remember, they they got they did the very rare not renew the contract of a GM that just won you a World Series thing, and you know, bold move. very bold move. And yeah. nothing against the current GM; it's not his fault. That, but the no. fact is, they're not. They that lack of continuity probably hurt them a little bit this off season.
2: Yeah, it definitely might have. Uh when you look at their rotation, so they have an off day coming up on Thursday, so it's well timed for them. So they can start Hunter Brown today, they can start Valdez tomorrow. If I remember Valdez tomorrow, they can start Christian Javier, <coughs> excuse me, on Friday. They don't really have a pitcher lined up for Saturday. Because of the off day, if they want to skip the fifth starter spot, they could go back to Brown on Sunday and then go from there. So that would save them. But right now on their depth chart, for example, on Fangraphs, they have three pitchers listed. Speaking of when we were talking about Tanner Bybee, bring this conversation all the way back, back at the start of spring training, say early draft season, January, February, you're like, everyone was like, well, Hunter Brown's really good, but will he be able to find a spot in the rotation? Yeah. Right. Well, now he's their, he's their third starter at worst. So, and and it looks like that situation is not going to change. So that's another example of just go for skills let the especially for starting pitchers go for skills and let the roles sort themselves out over time. So, uh, but yeah, this is an organization that has lost some depth. And as I said, in a lot of sports, we see this where teams are really good for a while. They make maybe some trades where they trade away prospects for veterans to help them win in the immediate future, and eventually that that slows them down. And maybe the Astros are starting to turn the corner there. Although we'll see, uh, the Abreu move definitely hasn't worked out well, and that's really like they're missing a. a Good cleanup hitter right now, and the Altuve injury; those two things have really hurt their lineup. And then, yeah, the bad bad luck with injuries. They had had a lot of really good luck in the starting rotation. I felt like in in recent years, the they little, especially used eight last starters year. last year. That's eight. right. Like that's that's amazing. So yeah, like I, you know, I don't, I don't. I'm not saying they were like exactly they were due or they had this coming, but they kind of did. Like this just doesn't. We don't really see teams have you know healthy rotations year after year so yeah yeah this was bound to happen probably sooner or later is jose or is he a drop let's say he's out for i don't know six weeks
1: That's out they think. drop
2: yeah i think so too I mean, I think so especially because his performance it's anything-
1: wasn't that great even before the injury. I, mean, I know.
2: I know. It's just that starting pitching is hard to find, which is what we were talking about earlier with the young starters. So, and Urquidy still does have his career ERA's 385. His career WHIP's 113. That's pretty good. So, like, if he yeah, was but out for three weeks. A, if
1: he's going to come back on time, and B, if yeah. he's the same sort of pitcher when he comes back. Uh, I know. And there's not, and C, there's nothing preventing you from picking him back up later on. Why carry that dead spot on your roster? If, you well, need, if well, you're the one that's if, going out and bidding on Brandon Fott, don't let Jose or yeah. stand in the way of that.
2: No. So it would more be if, if if you drop him and someone else picks him up, obviously, and they're willing to stash him. And then down the road, you wish you had him. I, I'm with you. I think he's, in most cases, a drop unless we find out. So for I'll give you a comparable. Jamison Tyrone's on the IL. I have him on a couple NFBC teams. I've held him because when he went on the IL, they said this will probably be like 15 days-ish. so and he's throwing and it looks like they're probably gonna be right he's gonna be back in 20 days something like that so him i held if i heard or was two weeks three weeks i'd hold him if i hear over a month i'm out
1: basically the month is the cutoff right
2: i think so yeah
1: yeah i think so too yeah um i wanted to talk about one other hitter uh, and then globally about hitters for a second here Mm -hmm. um nick senzel this is, mm-hmm. this is taunting me, Fred.
2: I knew you wouldn't be able to resist when I put him in the notes. I know it, it,
1: <laughs> I resisted picking him up. Um, I'm like, nah, we've all seen that before. Um, homer again yesterday. He's up to three homers, had the walk-off homer against the Rangers last week. I think he was the NL player of the week last week. Oh, this would slay me. Cause I don't have him anywhere after carrying him all these other years. I mean, I want him to do, I want Senzel to do really well. I'm a Reds guy, right? But at the same time, Senzel has missed so many ga- time, you know, games because of injury, all these different various uh, throwbacks. And he, he flat out wasn't good last year, despite 411 plate appearances. Wouldn't it be rich if this is the year he actually fulfills some of that promise?
2: It would be rich. Rich is a nice way to put it, for sure. Um, it, it's interesting. The price on Senzel had gotten so low yeah. Like where you could just grab him, like he's had some good weeks, you can just grab him off waivers still for a pretty low investment, under 50 bucks, whatever, over the last couple of weeks. I'm assuming he's been rostered now in a, most leagues, but um this was the time it was almost worth it. For all the years where he got drafted in round 12 or something, just based on potential, something like that, in the teens for rounds just based on potential, now he's cheap, now everyone's giving up on him. So I took him in the Tout Wars draft and hold, and I don't even know what round, I'm going to say 45, Something like that.
1: Did you use know. him last week? I have
2: not. I don't even think I used him. I don't even know if I used him this week.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, like He's like right borderline. I might have put him in this week over Jake Fraley, but I'm not sure. I might have just stuck with Fraley because like they faced a lot of righties this week. So anyways, he, he's just right on the cusp, but I'm glad to have him. But that's where things had come down to with him. And the odds are so good that there'll still be another injury, but he still has the power speed combo that fantasy owners love. And um if he was healthy, it's still easy to see a 15-15 season or something like that, which should be really, like, not really valuable, but pretty valuable, 15-15, and maybe hits, I don't know, 250, 260. That would be, that would be pretty useful. In, yeah, it in would any, be. Any Senzel, fans.
1: though, I mean, he had a 390 OPS at the start of last week. So, I mean, yep. the fact is, he was so easy to pick up then, and now he's yep. not easy to pick up. Um, That's right. I, I, I kind of don't like that. The, the other problem, though, I mean, with ignoring him is he's going to pick up third base eligibility, and uh, he's been playing a lot of third yeah. base. And that's pretty handy to have. I mean, he's batting six tonight against uh, Michael Walker. I mean, that's yeah. the The other yeah. thing too is he feasted on the Rangers and the in the A's. So that's also something to keep in I mind. Am.
2: I agree. I almost feel like A's stats shouldn't count. I know they count in your standings, but when you're evaluating players, I'm like, I'm getting close to the point where, like I said earlier, I'm streaming as many hitters as possible against the A's. I don't know if I actually put this plan into action, but I know in my waterfall this week I had a lot of JP Crawford just in there somewhere because the A's, and the Mariners play, sure, um, and I was like, yeah, why not? Like if I can get them for two bucks and I throw them in my lineup for three days, um, it maybe won't do anything, but. Chances are Seattle's going to score a bunch of runs. He'll probably be involved somehow. So the, yeah, we have to not go overboard on the a stats. The Texas stats are more legitimate, but um, plus your reds were on a heater. Let's be honest. Like they swept the Rangers. They were on it like good for them. They were on a heater. They might not have a lot of heaters this year, but they're on one. Right. Right. 100. Exactly.
1: Um, you, you ask for miracles. I give you the Rangers bullpen.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, I think with Senzel on the cheap, he's a smart ad. Once the price climbs, forget it because between the, but with the injury history,
1: here's a perfect example of the price climbing. If I fall for Senzel, am I dropping you a Eugenio Suarez from? No, you are not. I am not. I mean, yes, you're getting stolen bases in multi positions. No, not even close for me. That's that's, I would not do that. Um, not do that at all. Uh, heart foundation asks, uh, better stash, uh, Carlos and Encarnacion strand or Matt Mervis. I say Mervis because I think he'll be up sooner. Uh, keep in mind, Encarnacion Strand was hurt to start the minor league season. Uh, I understand the Reds present opportunities, but Votto's coming back at some point, theoretically. Um, it'll be harder for Encarnacion Strand to break through, I think.
2: Does Votto finish his season on the Reds?
1: Yeah, because who's going to trade for him?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I guess he'd have to come up and hit a bit. If he hit a bit, maybe someone would put him on their bench for – like my Blue Jays.
1: Yeah, that's
2: a honesty I don't even think he can get on the Blue Jays roster. Unless they just gave up on Brandon Belt at some point.
1: Well, you know, do what? they give up on Brandon Belt at some point? He's not doing anything.
2: Terrible, terrible. Yeah, they pinch hit for him late in the game. That didn't work, but they did pinch up, But it was justified. He had struck it three times. So, yeah. Anyways, I don't know. That was just a random question. I don't know. I do think there's a scenario where Votto, if he could get his act together, get back, get his act together a little bit. Maybe because yeah. just because he's such a veteran presence and such a good story that maybe someone picks him up for the last couple months of the season, just as a bench bat, Um, you know, anyways, I don't know. But I, to answer the question, I think I'm on the Mervish train too. I think, yeah, especially the Cubs look, the Cubs look okay. I think, I think they could see a reason to bring him up at some point. It's not like Eric Cosmer's is really doing much Two home runs so far. He's doing, he's being Eric Cosmer. So exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: I I think they could. I think that Mur- Mervis, the guy, would stash.
1: Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Um. Globally, we've seen a lot of guys that were n- not expected to be our big hitters being the big hitters. As you mentioned, in our outline: none of the top five, and just two of the top twelve, and OPS among the top one th- are in, among the top one thirty picks. We're not talking about five game guys or anything like that, but
2: mm-hmm. qualified hitters.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um. So qualified hitters. So I. Brent Rooker, would he qualify? Does he have enough at-bats right now?
2: He does not. So the pitchers who are in this, or sorry, the hitters who are in this list, Matt Chapman obviously leads the majors right now. Yep. Um, Brandon Marsh, Sean Murphy. How about that as a not catcher? On a heater. On a heater. Uh, Luis Arias, Max Muncie. Then we've got Acuna. Yep. Um, Lamont Wade, Yandy Diaz, Mike Trout, uh, Jared Kalnick, uh, Jonah Heim. Two catchers in the top 11. James Chapman wow. Yeah, James Outman. So those are the top 12 qualified hitters in OPS. And uh, if I went a little further, I'd have Randy Rosarena, but after him, I'd have Cody Bellinger, Connor Joe, and Patrick Wisdom. So now I'm still at three of the top 16 who would have been hundred top 130 picks in, uh, in the main event. So uh, I don't know if there's a takeaway from that, other than just that it's early in the season. Right. Uh, you know, some of these guys probably have more staying power than others. Like Muncie, for example. We've seen some really good years out of him in the past. But I, I think the takeaway for me mostly is that it's really in the, early in the season. Uh, I don't think the takeaway for me yet is that hitting is not predictable. Um, I think, I think it's just that we're really early in the season. But it's interesting. Like, we do not see early round picks. Uh, Acuna, who went first overall in a lot of leagues. Other than him, Mike Trout, round two pick. Randy Rosa, round three pick. That's it at that yeah. high in the top 16 in ops not fantasy value ops which does translate other than steals to fantasy value often
1: i think jorge mateo super interesting there already has yep. six homers along with 10 stolen bases yep you know you're like maybe i'll have a batting average streak but the power streak six homers and five yep. doubles 11 extra base hits and through end of april i mean that's pretty impressive Brandon Marsh is the other 15 extra base hits so far, seven doubles, four triples, four homers so far.
2: Yeah. I'm not a, like he's in my, I have a Yahoo trade article coming out tomorrow and I'm pretty sure he's in it as a guy to, to market on the trade block to sell. Yeah. Um, sure. I just think he's a, I just think he's a classic sell high. He had some buzz in draft seasons. So we didn't come totally out of nowhere, but four sixty four uh Babbitt so far. Uh, yeah, I just don't really see, he's made a little bit of improvements, like his strikeout rates a little better and his walk rates better. So like, there's some improvements there, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, I I think he's someone, this is more directed, I think in, in industry leagues or something. I don't know if you're going to be able, I don't know, actually, maybe you could get something for him. People liked him going into the season. So he's, and he's off to a great start. I think, I think he's a sell high right now.
1: Well, I think so too, except yeah. I have them in like six NFBC leagues where I can't trade them. You can't trade
2: them. So now you just ride it out and cross your fingers that Fred's wrong and that he has a great year.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. I, I, I talked about, uh, I promised we would talk a little closers right now. Sure. Um, and you made, made the comment, you know, there's not a whole lot of transition right now. We're not finding too many. Like there's the Cubs kind of the Phillies with Alvarado. Alvarado could be the big score so far, but even yeah. then, Rob Thompson's not using like one closer. He's using multiple guys to close games.
2: Yeah, my, my thought on the closers was I feel like we have a bit a bit of a closer comeback so far this season where a lot of teams are are letting one reliever get the bulk of their saves. Like as I scroll through this cuz I was thinking the last couple of weeks I was like, "Oh, there's not really much on the waiver wire for for closers you know you can get good relievers but not closers so i started looking at the closer list and like like we've already got emmanuel classe and josh Hader. already have 10 saves uh david bednar and jordan romano already have nine we're about 30 games into the season like these guys are on like 50 something save paces i know they're not going to stay there but they're on high paces and then as i started looking through it and i thought you know some teams that were supposed to have unsettled bullpens have settled on a guy a bit. Like Paul Sewald has seven saves. Yohan Duran has six saves. Carlos Decevas is starting to look like the Angels' closer. I think they wanted him yep. to be their closer from the start of the year. He just stunk in spring training, so yep. they couldn't go with him. David Robertson has six saves. I know I think Adam Ottavino has three, but Robertson's got two-thirds right there of the saves. A.J. Puck has started to emerge. He has five saves. I, don't, I think off the top of my head that no one else on the Marlins has two. So right. he started to emerge. So, and even some guys who like Alexis Diaz in Cincinnati, he he just has four saves. Well, like that's more of an opportunity thing than a closer committee. As you scroll through the saves leaderboard, you don't find multiple relievers on one team. The Phillies do have Alvarado with five, and so far Kimbrel with three. Um, but I'm not seeing teams where the second reliever has say three saves or
1: something like that. I think so the far. Mets are that one The team. Mets are the
2: one. Yep. Other than that, I'm not really seeing it. And I, you know, even like, like the Cubs have a messy save situation because they right. can't find a guy like Fulmer was supposed to be the guy. He stunk. Then they started to maybe think about Boxberger and he wasn't great either when they gave him the opportunities, you know, um, Yinear. Boxburger's not bad. He's been okay. Nine to six strikeout to walks. Not yeah. good. I feel like his worst performances were also like right as they were Fulmer had stunk and they were thinking about turning to him. Sure. Like he he was bad at the wrong time. That's such a timing is such a thing when you're trying to take over a closer's role. But um, you know, I feel like there are fewer committees maybe than there were last year. And I don't know if this is going to be a sustainable thing, but like the teams who have committees right now, I feel like it's just because they don't like the A's don't have a committee because they want a committee. They have a committee because their whole bullpen's awful. Yeah. So even the Tigers, I feel like Alex Lang is starting to emerge as their closer. He has three saves. Jason Foley has two. I don't know. We'll see where that all goes. I think it's
1: Lang is first and Foley when, when Lang isn't available. I really right. think that, I think that's the way it's so set up there.
2: I, I'm not saying that to be the closer, you have to get 95% of your team's save chances. Like it's not 2000 anymore, but, um, but if we're talking about teams that give 70% or 75% of their save chances to to one guy, that's a closer to me. Yeah. I think for that sure. there are more teams than there were last year who are going, like the Astros would give all their safe chances to Ryan Presley. If he could just be available for them. Like they yeah. have a closer. Like they don't, the fact he only has three saves is because of his own injuries. Right. Um, And poorly timed injuries. But yeah, I think we're starting to see some teams actually go with a closer where there's real differentiation. Like I said, Yohan Duran has six saves. Jorge Lopez has two. Yep. So if that continues, right. Like well, Seawald's
1: got seven now. He's got seven. That. I
2: know, I know that Andre's, Muno is getting hurt. Like, factors into that but not really because last year the mariners were just dead set on having a committee right from the start of the year this year seawall has seven saves matt brash has one and he got the one i believe that when he got the one it was in it was in toronto he's canadian that was a big deal and uh but seawall was unavailable i'm pretty sure when he got the was not couldn't pitch that i think it was an extra innings right and seawall had already pitched so
1: like i think texas is a point of uh inflection there jose yep. only has one save smith has three yep. got seven walks in nine innings it was really bad against the reds last week so that might change the yankees clay holmes blew the save last night Yep. got yep. a lot of booze in the process there Now clay holmes is you know he's not a, he's got a 145 whip now he's blown yep. two saves he's got four uh But he's got five walks now in nine and two thirds innings. Those walks are a killer. Uh, You hate seeing your closer hunt and peck and try to can't not be able to find the strike zone. I actually had some like backup bids on like the likes of Michael King and Ian Hamilton is another guy on that in that bullpen that I kind of like, but at the same time, we're not sure if uh, the you know the Yankees just gave Holmes a little bit of a vote of confidence. That could be the dreaded kiss of death, but it might just be that, okay, we're going to stay with him and he gets the next one too. So we'll see.
2: Yeah, K- yeah, King's been a better reliever than Holmes for sure this year. I understand the Yankees are going to give Holmes a chance to work all this out. Uh, yep. The Yankees don't have a ton of room to play with, like they've had in some other years. Like Tampa Bay's been awesome so far. The Jays look good. Baltimore's been playing great. Like the Yankees do need to keep pace if they yeah. if they want to make the playoffs. And they have a lot of lot of injuries. Their lineup, yeah, I know they're right in now. a really
1: tough spot with Judge and Stanton out right Absolutely. now. And the young guys aren't hitting for them.
2: And rotation injuries. So. So if they can build a better bullpen in a different way then they need to do it. But my, my point on the closers is like, I I feel like there are more teams trying to have a closer this year than there have been in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. And that's something we have to adjust to in fantasy. obviously. So having flux among closers, that's been around since before you and I started playing fantasy baseball because there's always going to be pitchers who stink and then they lose their closer job. Like that's been a thing forever, but, The last couple of years that we felt like there was a lot of teams, Seattle, Tampa, et cetera, who weren't even trying to have a closer. Like their stated, the Reds, like their stated position was, even if a guy goes out and does a great job closing, we're going to use someone else the next time. So now I feel like we're seeing team, I feel like we're seeing more teams, even Arizona with Andrew Chafin has started to kind of separate. I mean, teams more say, hey, if you go out and convert a save and you're pitching well, we'll go back to you like a closer. So I don't think they'll overwork them like they did 20 years ago. I don't think we're going to see 55 save guys, but I think we might see more 27 save guys, something like that. than maybe we saw the last couple of years. I'm interested to see where it all goes. I just feel I started looking through a closer chart when I was doing my fab bids, trying to look for speculative closers. And as I was going through it, what occurred to me is there was more teams than I felt like the last few years, where the person was listed as like a secure in their role closer.
1: I think that's right. Uh, with the caveat that we, we probably will see a few more injuries yep. that'll cause some chaos. Yep. A few more blown saves might as well. And we'll see what the effect of the new rules have on the closers health wise too. Hasn't hit them as badly. Uh, the, the injuries that we have had among closers all came kind of early, not necessarily as a result of the rules. Like Rizel Iglesias never made it to the opening bell, uh, obviously, uh, you know, what happened uh, with the Mets. I mean, that happened in the WBC. So we've got we've kind of got some other things that, that are working there. But the other thing we have to see is, you know, the trade deadline. What changes yep. bring, you know, happen then? Look, yep. Bednar might not go, but someone else might go. Uh, and that'll also kind of create uh, kind of create problems there. Um, and then, you know, you know, that, that that's always kind of one of the things where you get some changes there here and there. Overuse is an issue too. We'll start to see you know some closers. You know, they you know, hey, they have the good problem of closing a lot of the games, and then they will go a week without pitching. We'll yep. kind of we'll kind of play around with that. Um let's it and I think that's it among closers that I want to talk about. Oh, you you mentioned the outline of the Braves. So iglesias mm. is iglesias gonna finally is back. come back this weekend.
2: Yeah, hopefully this weekend, early next week at the latest. AJ mentor to me is. Well, as soon as I see Iglesias get a save, I think AJ Mentor is probably a drop. I, I, you know what? If I had roster room, maybe yeah. I'd want to see Iglesias pitch like three or four times, and then I drop sure. Mentor. So maybe I hold Mentor. Let's say Iglesias got a. Let's say I hold Mentor maybe through the end of next week, just to be. Because again, the Braves, everyone was saying closer committee with Iglesias out. Not everyone, but people were speculating on that. Mincher has six saves. He doesn't even pitch great. He's got three losses, but he's got two blown saves, but he has six saves. So they've gone with him as their closer. So I think for that, and Mincher is a good pitcher. Like he's got a 16 to three strikeout to walk. Like, yeah, like, I think he's better than what his ERA indicates. Um, I think I would want to see Iglesias, like I said, like if Iglesias, let's say Iglesias comes back Saturday, Friday or Saturday. I think I'd want to hold Minter through the next Sunday, like nine days and make sure. That's exactly
1: Sunday. what I was going to say. Then I drop. So, him. Yeah, I'm with then you on I, that. Then
2: I think I drop him because I think there's a difference here. I think we were, so for years it was, you had to have two closers. And then you messed around with trying to find a third. Then I feel like the last couple of years it was like, well, I think I could just get away with having one and then I'll mess around with trying to find a second because there's so many saves that are being spread out. If we get back to more teams having a closer, then we obviously go back to, I need two closers. And I see if I can mess around with having a third because if more teams are having a closer, the save standings are going to climb up to higher numbers.
1: Yep. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, so we'll, yeah, I, I think that's, see that, where it that's goes. It's early. Right. Yeah. Of course, the uh, Uncle Ted brings up Shelby Miller in the comments again this uh, this week. Uh, he did get a save last week, uh, one save, but then Dark Grotarol got the save on Saturday. Phillips is still in the mix. I I don't think we have resolution on this. I think it's going to be no. a committee of guys. Uh, Grotarol was on the paternity list when Miller got his one save, um, so I don't think that's a change in roles. I think it's kind of a uh, we're going to. I think Dave Roberts finally said you know he wanted to hold out Phillips till the uh, end of games. Uh, and he does have th- uh, three saves so far. Did get a save on Sunday, uh, but he can't always hold Miller out. Uh, I mean, Phillips out, excuse me, uh, because, you know, Vesla has been terrible. Bickford hasn't been great. They've had injuries. They, 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 they've they had trouble getting games to the back end there. I think Gratterall is the guy that gets more saves among them, but I, I think they're going to add to that bullpen. I think that's the one team mm-hmm. that trades. Like I can see a role as Chapman going there.
2: Oh, that would be spicy. That would be fun. Um, yeah, I think I think this is one of the teams that right now is a committee. But I think the committee is more gradual and Phillips, like you said. Someone like Miller maybe just gets the odd one. Um, yeah, I think this is a team. I, I think the Dodgers maybe are a bit of a team that's looking for one of them to emerge. But I think the Dodgers are one of the few teams that are still are off of everything I just said. Like as you noticed when I named all these teams that we supposed to be committees, but it actually settled on a guy. I didn't name the Dodgers because I think they're one of the few that still haven't settled on a guy. And like you said, maybe they won't. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'll end up trading for someone. Uh, yeah. I, Aroldis Chapman would be, would be really fun. There's probably some other ones we could say Diaz from Cincinnati, for example, he's going to be in all kinds of trade rumors. Uh, you know, if the Dodgers wanted to go with someone kind of younger, more controllable to have a long-term closer. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see, but I think they'll need to add to their bullpen for sure.
1: Yeah, and the and rotation. Gratterall was kind of the high leverage guy, so it's kind of yep. noteworthy. Arenado had a horrible road trip, by the way. The Cardinals had a terrible road trip. Yes, going on, on and on about that. Yep. But um,
2: Brian Helsley, by the way, of closers who are have not met expectations this year.
1: No, Brian he has
2: Three blown saves out of six. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah that 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 game winning home run when he tried to get him on the road trip where he tried to get a five five out save, it couldn't get it done against the giants. His
2: velocity is still good. I would think I would buy low on him before I would, 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 you know, back out on him right now and trade him away. I think I would be more likely to buy low, but, but yeah, there's concern there. If he blows the next couple saves, he's probably getting on it, getting a break from the closest roll.
1: Yeah. I think you're probably right. Yeah. All righty. I think that wraps it up for today. Uh, What do you got cooking on your articles?
2: Yeah. I got a, like I said, a trade article with some, Some buy low, sell high. Actually, they're not all buy low and sell high, but just some buys and some sells uh, Mm -hmm. coming out tomorrow. I got a weekend primer to get us ready for all the weekend series uh, coming out on Thursday. And one last thing I'll throw out from news from today that's great news, Liam Hendricks, ready for a rehab assignment, speaking of closers.
1: Yeah, so that's That's one one bullpen situation that will be settled pretty soon. That's right.
2: That's right. So we could be looking at, you know, whatever. He could have a decent rehab assignment of 10 days, two weeks, right? But- yeah. maybe by the maybe by the third week in may he's the white sox closer
1: again and the white sox does really anything that's good news <laughs> yeah, right now so. absolutely yeah 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 all righty uh I want to thank uh, rival fantasy for their sponsorship thank you guys for all the great comments in the uh in, in the forum there appreciate it there thanks everybody who's been listening all along uh Fred and I'll be back at you again next Tuesday take care